All right. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed. I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. The word of God for the people of God. Yeah, you know the the response. (laughs) So Stan says to me, Tim, I had a dream. Why don't you tell him that dream? So um, a couple weeks ago, um, it's probably been a week ago or so, so on a, I guess it was a Monday, I can't remember the exact day. So um, in the dream, I walk in, and this place is full of people. And I'm talking like full. So I walked up here to come up here to try to come up here for worship, and there was, there was no room. Like literally, you could, not, you could not even get up here because it was full of people up here, standing up here for worship, and there was like nowhere to sit. So, um, so I go to... Like, because I came all the way up, and so I go to look to see if there's a place to sit down, and there's nowhere to sit down. So I go back there in the back in the foyer, and there's people sitting back there, and I sit back there. And Tim uh, ends up back there in the foyer, and he's like, "We're going to read. We're going to read from Isaiah chapter chapter six. And um, so, so that was basically the dream. And um, and I just kind of been like praying about the dream, pondering the dream, and seeing what the, you know, what the Lord has been saying. So, do you want me? Yeah, keep going. And um, so, so, because I'm like, Lord, is this a literal thing, or is this, uh, you know, a, a metaphor or something that you're trying to show, show us? And, and, um, and yeah, I wanted to, he, I, I, I want to see it happen literally, but the Lord was showing me it was more of a metaphor of what, of what God is doing in our house. Like he is filling our house. You know, he's filling our house with his, with, with his presence. And it's, and it's so full that, you know, we don't have no room in here. We had to go out there to the overflow. And, you know, as, as I was saying last week, you know, or a couple of weeks ago about the overflow. Mm. And um, so, yeah. So then I said, Stan, uh, when, it's, you know, there's different ways I ask people the same question. Like, what's been on your heart lately is a question I typically ask people. Because it's a great way to figure out 
how they're doing, what they've been thinking about. People are really interesting and helpful. They're, I mean, y'all are really interesting and helpful, and you know stuff. So I'm intrigued to try to glean from you guys what God's saying to you, what you're learning, what you're struggling with. So I'll ask that question, what you've been thinking about, and he says, it's all about God filling. It's all about, no, you just said the word. Yeah. Filled. Fill, yep. Yeah, so, so I said fill because, because uh, um, uh, I've been having to get some fillings in my mouth. And that's, and that's how this word came about. Like, it was interesting because... The worst. The worst, you know. Who wants to get fillings, you know what I mean? And Tim's like, he's like, well, what's, you know, what's the one word that's on your heart? And I said, filling. I said, he's like, and I was like, you know how you go to the dentist and you got to get that, you know, stuff done. And you got to get, you know, the drilling done. Mm-mm. I said, sometimes we got to drill down for the filling. We got to drill down into, into, into God's presence to get the filling. You know, it don't just automatically happen. You know, it's like they had to get that stuff out. So, oh, it's the worst, man. All you got to do to stress me out is let, let me hear that sound. And then to make it worse, that smell. And then even just the visual of the little pieces of tooth flying out of my mouth. I'm sorry if I'm freaking you guys out because I'm a little freaked out right now. I hate it so bad. But before we're filled, we have to be, we have to have the stuff that's hurting us taken out so that we can be filled. But imagine if they took out that stuff but, but left your tooth wide open and exposed. It would be, it would be, they would leave you worse than before. And I said, Stan, that really reminds me of what Jesus said about his generation. Do you guys know what I'm about to say? You remember the story? This generation is like, you remember? It's like when a demon gets cast out. Is this what you were about to say? Go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's like, he said, he said, this generation is like when a demon gets cast out of a person. And then it goes searching through uh, barren wilderness places for a host and not finding one. It says, you know what? I'm going back where I came from. And it comes back and it finds the, the house swept clean and it goes to its buddies. Hey, there's plenty of space here. They, got, they, they swept it clear for us. And then it brings seven demons worse than itself so that the final condition of the person is worse than he started. That's fascinating for multiple reasons. Like the first reason is he's speaking literally about demon possession He's drawing an application to a whole generation. And I think he's saying, you can tell me what you think. I think he's saying, when you get religious, when you get the appearance of evil out, but you don't get the roots, when you don't drill down, like Stan's dentist metaphor, when you don't drill down to the roots of the cavity and you just leave that thing wide open, you, you have to fill the thing. You have to fill. So this generation's religious enough to fool himself into thinking they've got what they need, but they're, they've actually created even more space for evil to take hold of their hearts. Now, that's, a, that's my theory. So if, if I'm wrong, you, you feel free to tell me. But we just started talking about how important it is to not go halfway, but to be filled, right? Okay, a whole bunch more. Three times in Isaiah 6, it says filled. Stan, do you remember which, what the three were? Uh, he filled the house with? with the smoke. Yep. And then um, I don't remember the other two. It's a piece of his clothing that fills the temple first. 
You remember what it is, guys? It's the the train of his robe. We don't have, I don't, I don't, when, I, when I get dressed up for church, I'm not dragging like 19 yards of fabric behind me. The only time in our culture I've even seen somebody, yeah, is a wedding gown that has, what do we call it when they do it? They call it a train? I was just thinking that'd be a really effective way to make her fall down and just grab hold of that sucker and jerk real hard. Just give her a bit, see what happens. Just to see how f- tightly... It, but what I, when I studied this passage, Stan, I, I remember years ago they said, the more regal the king, the longer the train of the robe. So as people are walking into a space, you could tell who's like, ooh, higher in majesty by their clothing, basically. And like, ooh, my goodness, he's got people walking behind him, carrying his so it won't touch the dirty, filthy ground the peasants have soiled, Right? So he's got all these people walking behind him, carrying his robe. And Isaiah sees the Lord, and it's the train of his robe. It, there's no empty space left. It's all majesty. It's all dignity. It's all how, how high. And, you know, I heard a, a guy say, uh, was in Africa, I can't remember what nation in Africa, but they have a king. And he said, that we bow before our king. And if you could, you would dig a hole in the ground to bow even lower because he's so great. He's so incredible. And the one hand, you're like, does he really want you to? Well, that's not the point. The point is he wants to. Like our king will pick us back up and say, come here, we're brothers. And we go, no, no, you're so amazing. And he goes, no, I'm serious. I want to be brothers. You can, you're, not, you're not my slaves. I want you to graduate up to friends. But that attitude of honor is super healthy. Okay, so the first thing that fills the, the temple, his, the train of his robe. The second thing, Stan, you said was smoke. the smoke. smoke. What's that about, guys? I hear incense. How many other times in Scripture do you see the smoke filling either the tabernacle or the temple? So during, when, when Moses dedicates the tabernacle... The glory of God is so thick that Moses can't minister. And I think he can't even stand. Then when Solomon dedicates the temple, we've moved from a tent to a stone structure, he goes all out. I don't remember how many critters he offered to the Lord, but it was a pile. But the smoke wasn't coming from the critters. The smoke was coming from the glory of God that filled the temple and the priests couldn't even stand up and minister. I think there's at least one more time that I can't, I can't think clearly enough. But the smoke, that is fascinating to me. Because smoke obscures your vision. You can't see. I'm just so intrigued. I, I, do I know? I don't know. And the seraph covered their eyes, so they're not looking. They also cover their feet. What's that about? (laughs) I think the disciples felt the same way when Jesus got down on his knees to wash their feet. They were like, no way. That's my most, like, that's the most dirty part of me. No way. You're never going to touch my feet, says Peter. So the seraphim are like, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy. Okay. But then they say this third thing about being felled. They're 
it's not a song. It says they're saying to each other, but it would work as a song. The whole earth is what? So this scene in the, in the Holy of Holies is a window into the nature of the universe, reality. Isaiah sees in a moment a sneak peek into the spiritual realm and the angels are saying the reality about everywhere you are is filled with God's glory. I think that, see, see that's like communion. When we, when we take the supper, I'm doing a lot of talking. We'll get, we'll, we'll get you a question here soon. When we take the Lord's Supper, we're not just saying, oh, this particular bread and this particular juice is, is sacred. We're actually, we're actually learning a couple things. We're learning we're the body and we're washed in the blood. But we're also learning this. All of God's creation, common, simple, every ordinary creation, can carry the presence of God, can carry the glory of God, if it's just blessed. Because that's what we do. We bless the elements and they become. And God, when he created, at the end of every single day when he created, he'd stand back and he'd bless it. It's good. It's good. It's full. The whole creation is filled. I, I love that, those kind of little things. Okay, Psalm 107, verse 9. He satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. I'm just going to read you a a number of scriptures that demonstrate God doesn't half fill things. He doesn't doesn't give you a a quarter, quarter of a glass of something. He fills the hungry soul with good things. John the Baptist in his mother's womb was filled with the spirit from his mother's womb. His ministry was to come and to fill the valleys in and level the mountains. The Miraculous Catch of Fish. I want you to talk about this one. Um, so uh, when, you know, I was talking about it a couple of weeks ago, how, you know, Peter or whatever the disciples was out there was Peter. Yeah. fishing. And, you know, and Jesus, and Jesus said, you know, put your net on the other, on the other side, you know. And he caught, you know, he caught more fish than, than they could even handle, you know. And me and Tim were talking about that, um, you know, and even after they had more than enough fish, they had leftovers to go, you know, to go somewhere else with, you know, and that's... Like, so the what? nets weren't half full. They, they weren't The half nets full. were filled. They were full. And they, they were like, oh my word, how are these nets not breaking? Yep. You know? And, oh, then and, the next story is, oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off, keep talking. No, and so, you know, so, you know, it's not just a filling, it's, a, it's you know... When the filling gets up, it, it overflows. So, but go ahead. And it happened right at the end of, of them. I've been doing this all night, God. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. I've given you everything I have. I love that story. You ever been there where you're like, I've given this everything I have. Yeah, I'm empty. I've given this everything I have. It's not working. And then you hear and cooperate with God, and suddenly things work differently. John 2, 7. Jesus doesn't say, put some water in these jugs. Fill these jugs with water. John 6, 13, they pick up the leftovers from the miraculous multiplication of food and they fill like 12 baskets. Here's a fun one. Mary's at his feet 
pouring out her year's wages worth of worship and tears and love and thankfulness because she's forgiven much, so she loves much. And the fragrance fills the house. (laughs) I'll bet it did. (laughs) That's a lot of perfume. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Fills the house. Acts 2.2, the sound of a mighty rushing wind filled the place where they were praying. Acts 2.4, all of them were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other languages. But some people made fun of them, Acts 2.13, and said, they're filled with new wine. Mm. Then Peter stands up and filled with the Spirit says, Acts 13.52, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. I I just see this. So you guys are only getting like 10 or 12 scripture references out of the 60 or 70 some that came up right away on the word filled. This one I sent to Amber today because Amber taught me that 444 means church. And I was like, how do you figure? And she's like, well, John 444, Jesus says a prophet is only without honor in his hometown. Therefore, we should how am I doing this wrong? We should, we should put blessing on. We should reverse that automatic tendency. The, the prophets in the house should bless their home because the natural gravity of the situation tends toward dishonor coming toward the prophet and probably a, a, a not a right heart then on, in the prophet in reaction. So to counteract the unhealthiness of that, we should bless our home if we're a prophet. We should bless our home church, especially if we're a prophet. It's hard to be a prophet at your home church. or It is. So when 444 comes on the clock, Amber taught me to pray for Gateway. And here's another 444. Ezekiel 44.4. God brought me by way of the north gate to the front of the temple, and I looked, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord, and I fell on my face. What else you got, Stan? So there was a scripture... This, 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 is, this is what happens with me and Tim. We get on the phone and we start talking and, and stuff just, just comes out. And um, so I, I want to go back to the new, the new wine scripture mm. because, because, you know, if you read the scripture, they were, they were having a, they were having a, you know, a ceremony and um, they ran out of wine, you know, and, uh, you know, and they were, they were like, what are we going to do? And Jesus, you know, shows up on the scene and he fills the barrels, you know, with new wine. Um, and, there, and, you know, and that's what the Lord wants to do with every one of us. He wants to fill us with a new wine, you know. Um, and uh, also there was one we was talking about jars and then being, being overfilled. You know, it's like sometimes we can get that, mm. that water, you know. I was going to do, this, do, do, a, do a thing um, where you get a cup and... You start pouring water in that cup, and it starts filling up, and it starts filling up. You, you know, you keep pouring water in that cup, and then once that cup gets too full, it's going to overflow, and it's going to go all over the place, you know, and, and that's what the Lord wants. He, wants. he wants that new wine. He wants his fragrance, his presence to go all over us so we can, you know, be, you know, 
filled and overflowed. This has been a thing that's been going on for me for a while now. Is it, you know, is being filled, being overflow, you know, and and having hunger for God. And I, I think that should be all of us. We should all want that. You know what I mean? And and we should be, you know, thriving in a place of overflow. Um, you know, and if we start to feel like our tanks are getting empty, like Tim was talking about. We need to we need to get in a place so we can we can start pouring that water in, start pouring pouring that spirit in, so we can get full and we can be an overflow because we should be an overflow no matter where we go, regardless if it's in this church or outside outside of this church. People should realize that that we are following the Lord, you know. And, and I think of Peter. You think about Peter. Peter didn't even have to say anything to people. He could, you know, he was so full of God's presence that he would walk down the street and people would be healed, you know. And I'm not saying I'm to that point, but if the, if the scripture says that he did that, we we should be able, we should be able to get to that place as well. So, yeah, awesome. <laughs> you know, and I and I can only imagine the sacrifice that that took, you know, um, for Peter, you know, and that's you know getting getting to these places. It's 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 a sacrifice. It's not it's not. Oh, okay, I just just got filled up. No, sometimes it's a sacrifice of us getting and spending time with the Lord. You know, just like in the Old Testament, you know, with the smoke filling the temple. It was a sacrifice. They were sacrifices, you know, for that for that to fill the temple. You know, and we still have to give the Lord our stuff. We still have to say, Lord, I need, I need to give you it all so I can get more, you know. And one thing I've learned as, as a believer, nobody taught this to me. The Holy Spirit taught this to me. What, you, what the Lord gives you. As you give out, he'll give back more, you know, and I never understand, I never under, like, like, like you get a, something in your brain, but you don't fully understand it until it happens. And the first time that ever happened to me was like, it was so exciting because it was like, it was like, I gave all this stuff out and I, and I felt like, man, I am drained in the spirit. And then the next day it was like, let's go do it again. And I could feel the joy and the fullness of it. Like, like, you know, because it it was just something about let's go do it again, you know, and let's, you know, and that's what we should be doing. We should, you know, um, as as believers, you know, and, and and that's even in the face of trials and tribulations and stuff being sometimes I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. I had some stuff that happened to me a long time ago that I I tell you what, the presence of God was more eminent in that time of 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 some stuff that was going on than just, you know, yeah, just, yeah, just, well, painful stuff and just stuff, uh, accusations. Hmm. And, um, and, you know, and basically, you know, in the middle of that, the Lord showed up on me more powerful than probably, probably a lot of time in my lifetime, you know, but as we go after him and I've noticed, you know, he shows up in the pain, but he also shows up in the good stuff. You know, so because so many people get focused on the pain, right. you know, you know, it's like God's God's in the middle of the pain, but God's also, you know, he's in the middle of the good stuff. He's not it's not always about the pain. It's about both. You know, he's there in the pain and he's there when things are going good, you know, and it's like I think we get so focused on of needing God's presence and praying when we're going through that that painful situation or accusation, whatever it may be. You know, we're focused on the Lord. And then when things are going good, it's like, it's like you're not, we're not as focused on the Lord. And I, I'm just speaking for myself, you know, and that's what I found for myself. 
as the season that I'm in right now, things are good. And I'm, I'm just saying, you know what, Lord, I want everything that you got. You know, I want you to fill me up. I want you to overflow me so I can overflow and fill other people up and give them whatever you got. Cause it's, it's, cause we partner with him. So that's what I got. There's a story where the whole country's in famine and there's this little widow in Zarephath, I think. And it's Elijah, Elisha, right? Not Elijah. Elisha says, hey, give me some food. And she says, I can, but then I'll, be, then I'll die. Me and my son are just going to die then because that's the last. We have no more oil, no more flour. That's the end of it. And he, sa- she, he says to the prophet, get all the jars you can find. And as long as you give more jars to pour out of this little last bit of oil, it's not going to run out. Think about that. If you, get, if you get infinite jars, you get infinite oil because the, pour, the outpouring will continue. Just, you know, God's like, Pre- present, present more jars and I'll present. I'm not, he's not in lack. We're in lack. He's not in lack. And I, I think of that as this gospel picture because in Christ, we're not empty. All right, let me read you a verse and you'll see what I'm trying to say. Because as soon as Stan talked about Isaiah 6 on the phone, I said, that's crazy that you've been thinking about the word filled because I read Colossians three times this week, not because I'm a saintly person, but because my randomized Bible reading plan made me do it. And the third time I groaned a little slight groan, again with Colossians, I know what it says. And then it's like, okay, hush up, boy. There's something in it for you. And every single time, this was the verse that I look at Colossians, I go, this is the main verse in the whole book. It's verses 9 and 10 of chapter 2. I'll read 8 for context. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in a body. And you go, well, that's crazy. How could that happen? But look at verse 10. And you have been given fullness in him. And his point is, people are running after all this crap to finish what he already finished. You Christian friend, this is Paul's, what he's exhorting the Colossians, stop running after stuff that will never give you what you already have. What you already have, you already are full in him. You have the fullness of him. You've achieved complete union with the Father already. You're righteous already. You have all the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead in you. And I sometimes think about the treasure buried in the field and and it's like, dig down and find Jesus is in you. He is in you. You don't have to get him in you. When Penn came, remember when Penn Clark came and and laid hands on us and talked about the spiritual gifts and he said, it's not about getting more of the Holy Spirit in you. It's about learning how to let more Holy Spirit flow, bubble up out of you. That was helpful because it's like saying, we're not adding to the gospel. We're just going deeper into the gospel. So I'm not sure if that makes sense. Am I making sense? I really, I don't want us to get away from what Jesus has already done for us and, and, and achieved, and it's in us. It's in us. He's in us. 
I don't want us to, to then stand in this richness where we have a blank check and, and then say to God, we're begging you for more money. When he's given us his credit card, he's, he's, you know, like God says to Abraham in Genesis 13, he says, walk, this is the land I'm giving you. Now walk, walk all around it. Check out its dimensions, its width, its breadth. And I go, oh my word, is that the prayer in Ephesians 3 that, that where Paul prays that you would be filled right after praying that we would experience the love of God so that we might be filled with all the measure of the fullness of God, even though we can't, we can't, it's, this love's too, be, like the height, the depth, the, the width, the breadth, it's beyond searching out. And, but then that verse in Ephesians 3 says that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And I'm going, is he referencing this? Is he saying this is your covenant, right? Is, this your, is he quoting Genesis? Like, was, was Abraham supposed to say, cool, let's move it from promise to experience? I'm not supposed to just know I'm promised the land. I'm supposed to walk around and check out the limits of my promise. And in, in my experience, I'm supposed to know and get to know this land. He's, it's mine. And I'm supposed to experience it and explore the limits of it. What limits? Well, that's the question. How far does it go? Because it starts with Abraham as the holy land. By the time it gets to the New Testament, Jesus says the meek inherit the? It's expanded. And I'm pretty sure we get more than planet Earth. Anyway, okay, Stan, what else you got? Um, to go along with, with what Tim was reading out of Colossians, um, it's funny because John was playing, because uh, I, I went to their house before we came to church because they came and got me, got me this evening. And it's funny because it was talking about, um, you know, uh, running a race. But also, then it started, started, started talking about running a spiritual race. And, and it talked about how, how you, you, it doesn't matter how you run the race. It's how well you, 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 you finish the race. You know, and that's what it was talking about. You can, run, you, can, you can run slow or you can run fast. But it was talking about finishing the race and doing it well, you know, and that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to, to, to run the race, you know, but he wants us to finish the race. And he wants to call us well and good and faithful servants, you know. And, and how we run that race, regardless if it's fast, slow, whatever, it's with the spirit of the Lord. You know, it's that, that, that being filled and running. Because some, some, somebody might be running two miles an hour and somebody might be running 20 miles an hour. And, um, you know, and that's, and, and that's okay. You know, that's, that's fine. You know, as long as they're running and they're not staying still and they're not stuck, you know, as long as they're, they're running, even if they start out as a walk, you know, it's better, it's better than nothing, you know? And, and, uh, you know, and it's like, you know, I, uh, I watch these football guys and there's a guy, his name is, is Derrick Henry and he can run like, like 25 miles an hour. Like ridiculous. They've, cl- they've clocked them at like 25 miles an hour running. And, um, you know, and, you know, he's, run- he's running that thing as fast as he can. And sometimes that's the way the Lord wants us to run, as fast as we can. And then there's other guys that might run 10 miles an hour, and that's, and that's completely okay. You know, um, 
we, we've got to make sure we're allowing the Spirit of God to grow us. You know, we cannot be stuck. You know, we got to be moving. You know, if it's just a little bit, you know, just a little bit is better than nothing. You know, and that's, you know, and, and this, this, this theme of God speaking to me about filling the house, I don't think it's, I don't think it's over, guys. I really, I really, I think this is, there's, a, there's something that the Lord is, there's a picture that the Lord's painting with us, I, I, I believe, you know. Um, and I know, I know on Sundays and Wednesdays, the presence of the Lord has been, been heavy in this house. Like, it's been thick in this house, you know. And that's because he is, you know, he's doing something special here, you know. And, we, and I just want to say this, that we can't get focused on the numbers because, because God's doing special, something special with, with what we have right here, right now, you know. And, you know, and there's, I believe there's a preparation for something. I don't know what, but I feel like, they're, they're like, like we're in preparation for something, you know. And, and God's like saying, okay, are you going to be faithful in the spirit of God and, and what I'm doing right now and just, and just be with me right now and focus on me right now instead of, you know, like just clamoring for everything else. Sometimes the Lord wants us to just to be content right where we're at, you know, and I think, I think that's what he's doing with us right now is there's a contentment, a contentment, but also there's a feeling like there's a feeling that God is doing with all of us. It's been, it's been really cool to come in here and see like on a Wednesday night of, and I was sharing this with Amber the other day, you know, um, coming in here and seeing everybody giving words and, and praying mm-hmm. and, and it just, it, guys, you don't know what it does to me. Like it, like, like it is awesome because it, because that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be like, you know, we're supposed to be, you know, everybody, you know, sh- should be participating, you know, and that's, you know, that's what I got to say. So we know this, don't we? In every revival, which we, we portions of the church are sentimentally and authentically and not with cynicism yearning for revival constantly. When they're in it, this, this is the best thing that could ever happen to them. When it starts to dwindle, it's, it's a panicky feeling. But when I look at a revival, in the middle of a revival, what's happening is people are living normal Christianity and they're not talking about how great the revival is. They're talking about how great the gospel is. They're talking about how great the cross is. They're talking about how great grace and the new covenant is. God's love as a father, his adoption, his presence, his providence, his redeeming sovereignty. He's t- taking these things of our life that, are, that we don't even care if they get redeemed. We just want to forget about them, honestly, some days. And he's redeeming them making it better that they happened than if they hadn't. And I don't know how that even works. But in a, in a revival, you stop striving and praying for revival and you start celebrating the finished work of Christ. And I just think to myself, what if we lived there in celebrating the finished work of Christ? Just sort of declared it a revival. Just saying, all right, I'm in a revival for the rest of my life. I'm in, like Bob Muncie, I'm declaring this jubilee, like, but just keep there. Because when Jesus said, this is the year of the Lord's favor, I don't think he ended it. When he went back to heaven, he started a, the new age. It's jubilee. We're in an age of jubilee. Am I wrong? Am I wrong about that? Aren't we in an age of jubilee? Like, 
I even heard the fire and brimstone preachers agree with me on this. They say, we're in an age of grace before Jesus comes back to kick butts. So even the fire and brimstone preachers agree we're in an age of grace. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I've, I'm probably right that we're, that we're in like, not a season of jubilee. And it's like, can we just live in the revival by faith instead of waiting till, because in a revival, a bunch of people really get the gospel at the same time. Don't, isn't that what it is? Isn't it a whole bunch of people really getting it? Maybe I should, we need a longer mic cord. All right, pause. I have to repeat what you said because it's so good I don't want to lose it in the recording. Amber said, in a revival, people, we are deeply aware of our need for God and that need attracts, the genuine hunger and need attracts God's presence. And when we get, how did you say it? Too much pride creeps in, then it... Oh, yeah. And then we just realize, we don't realize, it's really, why isn't it working anymore? I sign off on that. I th- see, okay, I forgot to say that Isaiah, Isaiah, it dwindles down and we say, where did God go? And he says, I responded to hum- humility and hunger. So I, Isaiah experienced an emptying and a filling in chapter six, didn't he? He encounters God. So sometimes we're like, we just need to humble ourselves. It's like, well, sometimes experiencing the goodness of God, the holiness of God, will humble people that we think are not even capable of being humbled. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes people respond to God that you and I didn't have faith could, but God has faith that people can change. He has, he's taking, he, God actually is taking, he sees by faith things that are not as though they are, you know? So, so Isaiah sees God and says, I'm undone. I'm undone. I'm unclean. I'm among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord Almighty. And I don't, I mean, how hot is that coal that an angel has to use a tongs? (laughs) But he puts it on the most sensitive part of your body, your lips. I was thinking about that today going, how is he supposed to be a messenger with, with blistered, broken, burned lips? Right. Okay. That was almost like sticking a pair of tongs inside a forge. It was glowing. I don't know. Paul Paul when Paul visited the third heaven he said he didn't know if it was real or only in the spirit. I wonder if Isaiah knew if this was real or in the spirit. But I, I, I love the idea that when, when the most fragile broke, because that's the area of his, his sin. His lips were his sin. And that's what needed to be touched with God's presence, God's holiness. God's, God's an all-consuming fire. And if, there's, if we're surrendered to the fire, it purifies us. Explain. So you're saying it didn't just purify his lips, it purified his heart. Yeah. 
It's, I just think it's fascinating that Abraham can't have babies. So his reproductive member gets marked with covenant as the sign of God's resurrection life, bringing life where Abraham can't. Isaiah's mouth is his problem and he gets touched in that area. I wonder if that, that we've all heard this, right? Our mess becomes our message. That thing you hate about how you are. Most of us have something we hate about how God made us. And we wish he had made us differently. And he doesn't. He just says, you aren't yet fully you. Let, let my holiness touch that area of you you hate. And you'll become the real you. And then you'll love. You'll, you'll love you like I love you. You'll love being you. You'll have the t-shirt that Tim, I've always wanted to wear. I like me and I like you. So if you don't like me, you stink. (laughs) Okay. Stan, why don't you pray for us and then we'll release them to do whatever praying they want to do. Okay, cool. So, uh, so we just thank you for your presence today, Father. We just thank you for, for your, your spirit that you uh, pour out on every single one of us. And, uh, and I just ask for your, your, your uh, spirit just to flow out on every person in this room, Father, out of this building, Father, um, even on to the streets, Father. I just ask that you, that you would just let your, your spirit just overflow on, on all of us and inside of all of us and out of us. And, and, um, and we, I just thank you that, that, that the fullness of your, your mercy and grace is inside of us and, and that, that we don't have to strive for it, that, that you, you've given it to us. And um, we just ask for your your more of that, and uh, in Jesus' name, Amen.